body or even someone missing. We're out looking now, and the Navy's sending in a few divers, so we'll get the situation handled if it pans out. But I just wanted you to have a heads up, and be sure you give Dr. Mant my condolences. Your condolences? I puzzled. For if he had known about Mant's circumstances, why did he call here asking for him? I heard his mother passed on. I rested the tip of the pen on the sheet of paper. Would you tell me your full name and how you can be reached, please? S.T. Young. He gave me a telephone number and we hung up. I stared into the low fire, feeling uneasy and lonely as I got up to add more wood. I wished I were in Richmond, in my own home, with its candles in the window and Fraser fur decorated with Christmases from my past. I wanted Mozart and Handel, instead of wind shrilly rushing around the roof. And I wished I hadn't taken Mant up on his kind offer that I could stay in his home instead of a hotel. I resumed reading the statistical report, but my mind wouldn't stop drifting. I imagined the sluggish water of the Elizabeth River, which this time of year would be less than 60 degrees, visibility at best, maybe 18 inches. In the winter, it was one thing to dive for oysters in the Chesapeake Bay, or go 30 miles offshore in the Atlantic Ocean to explore a sunken aircraft carrier or German submarine, and other wonders worth a wetsuit. But in the Elizabeth River, where the Navy parked its decommissioned ships, I could think of nothing enticing, no matter the weather. I couldn't imagine who would dive there alone in winter after dark to look for artifacts or anything, and believe the tip would prove to be a crank. Leaving the recliner chair, I walked into the master bedroom where my belongings had metastasized throughout most of the small, chilly space. I undressed quickly and took a hurried shower, having discovered my first day here that the hot water heater had its limitations. In fact, I didn't like Dr. Mant's drafty house with its knotty pine paneling the color of amber and dark brown painted floors that showed every particle of dust. My British deputy chief seemed to live in the dark clutches of gusting wind, and every moment in his minimally furnished home was cold and unsettled by shifting sounds that sometimes caused me to sit up in my sleep and reach for my gun. Swathed in a robe with a towel wrapped around my hair, I checked the guest bedroom and bath to make certain all was in order for the midday arrival of Lucy, my niece. Then I surveyed the kitchen, which was pitiful compared to the one I had at home. I didn't seem to have forgotten anything yesterday when I had driven to Virginia Beach to shop, although I would have to do without garlic press, pasta maker, food processor, and microwave oven. I was seriously beginning to wonder if Mant ever ate in or even stayed here. At least I had thought to bring my own cutlery and cookware. And as long as I had good knives and pots, there wasn't much I couldn't manage. I read some more, 
and fell asleep in the glow of a gooseneck lamp. The telephone startled me again, and I grabbed the receiver as my eyes adjusted to sunlight in my face. This is Detective C.T. Roach with Chesapeake, said another male voice I didn't know. I understand you're covering for Dr. Mant, and we need an answer from you real quick. Looks like we got a diving fatality in the inactive naval shipyard, and we need to go ahead and recover the body. I'm assuming this is the case one of your officers called me about earlier. His long pause was followed by the rather defensive remark, As far as I know, I'm the first one notifying you. An officer named Young called me at quarter past five this morning. Let me see. I checked the call sheet. Initials S as in Sam, T as in Tom.